coming up next on Abounding Grace. If there's any question that God is moving on the earth in every status of society, all it really requires is for us to look around the room. Because for many of us, we can look back and we can remember the ugly, horrible pit that our life was, that we were in. We can remember how the ugly quicksand of sin was our life. Those of you that avoided that, you can look back to say, well, God has given me a great godly heritage, which will only bring you more encouragement in the Lord, because he's able to save anyone to the uttermost. This is amazing grace. in a world that is full of bad news, and it's easy to fixate on that and become discouraged. But today on Abounding Grace, we draw your attention to the greatest news of all. Of course, I'm speaking of the gospel and how it is that God has chosen to save us. Now, that's something to dwell upon. Pastor Ed Taylor comes back to his series in 1 Corinthians and will not only point to the wise, powerful, yet simple gospel, but man's general response to it. We'll focus on verses 18 through 31 of chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now, I don't know at what point you were saved, like at what age, but the older you are when you get saved, the more foolish the gospel sounds. You share the gospel with an eight-year-old, and Jesus died for me, and he loves me. I believe. An eight-year-old says, hey, I believe. That's awesome. God loves me. You share that same message with a 50-year-old, and it goes through a whole different spectrum of thought, and it becomes foolishness depending on what that person was taught in school, depending on what books they've read, depending on where they are. The older you get, and studies have shown this, the harder it is to believe in this foolish message. It's a foolish message that you as a human being were created by God. And that you as a human being, you were created, and yet by sin you were separated And immediately, right then and there, you know, some people have a problem. God created me. No, God didn't create me. I started out as a a little blob in the ooze of life and all of us over the years, gajillions of years, poof, here I am. Right away. As this message is going out on the radio, right away, there are already those battling the message of the gospel that you were created by God. And now the next step is learning how you were separated from God and a whole other group of people are offended by that. Just mentioning the word sin. Oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I, I'm doing great with God. I read my Bible. I go to church. I, I'm a good person. And right away, a whole other segment of society has been offended by the message. It's offensive. 
But in that separation, God has brought reconciliation by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And a whole other segment now is offended. Jesus, that's just myth. That's just fables. I don't believe in the Trinity. I don't, I don't even believe in the Bible. And now we got offense after offense after offense. And then you say, well, not only did Jesus live, but he died and he, he hung on a Roman cross. Oh, come on. God, the powerful God, would allow his only son, Jesus, to die and hang on a Roman and a whole other. And you can see every single layer of the gospel message brings offense. So yeah, not only did he die, but he was buried and he rose again. Oh, come on. Dead people don't rise again. And offense after offense after offense after offense. Especially the smarter you are. For those of you that are very, very smart and you don't personally know Jesus Christ, it becomes very offensive to you because you're smart. But in my life, I've met people that are too smart as if they have everything figured out as if their own life experiences is all that's really necessary to make an eternal decision and because it doesn't fit your grid and because it doesn't fit your beliefs it doesn't fit anything else that you've set up your smartness has pushed you outside of the kingdom of God and the sad thing is it's not that you're smart it's that you're okay with it you're okay that your smartness and your wisdom and your education has talked you out of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. That's what's sad. Because God wants to use your intellect. He doesn't want you to be dumb and all of a sudden, oh, you know, all those Christians are dumb. No, there's some very, very, very talented, smart, educated believers. As one author said many years ago, you don't need to check your brains at the door. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, God wants to use your brain. He wants to use your life. And preaching is not in human wisdom, Paul says. This simple message, even though in verse 18 it's the message of the cross is foolishness, he says in verse 17 that I didn't come preaching with human wisdom. It was a supernatural message. And that's how God can bypass the offense. Sometimes we think, sometimes we think if we could answer someone's, you know, we're ministering to someone and they're just bombarding us with questions and we think if I could just answer every single question they have, surely they'll get saved. And you've tried it, haven't you? I mean, you got books this high. You're up all night studying all their crazy out of here questions because you love them and you care for them. But I'm telling you, in all your answers, only the Spirit of God can take the message home. And I think it's good for us to have a good, sound reason to be ready with an answer. Like Peter said, for all those that, that, that want to ask for the reason why we have the hope in us, we definitely want to have reasons. But it's only the Spirit of God that's going to bring the message home. And just because they've asked a few good questions that maybe you've come up empty on doesn't mean the gospel isn't right. <laughs> it's just offended them. And this is one of their ways to keep the offense at arm's length. Because when we preach the gospel, it's not with human wisdom. It's not with major oratory skills. It's just the gospel. And you know, sometimes I'll hear concern from folks in our fellowship. Why aren't we doing a series on finances? Why aren't we doing the 40-day, whatever it is this time, like every other church is doing in town? 
Why do we just teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book? Come on, man. You know why? Because God gave us his word to study. And when it speaks on finances, we'll teach you about your finances. And it speaks on 40 days, we'll teach you on 40 days. It's throughout the scripture. But what we're not going to do prayerfully is latch on to some human wisdom to teach you the word. I believe with all my heart, not just because the Bible says it, which would be more than enough, by the, by the way, but because I walked into the doors of a church like this many, many years ago. You know what my pastor did? He taught me the word. Week after week, month after month, year after year. You know, if I go back and I go back to a Wednesday night service or a Sunday morning service at the church that I came from, you know what I'm going to get? The same thing. 35 plus years my pastors taught the word. And 40 plus years his pastors taught the word. Or even more than that. And for the years that I have in ministry, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach you the word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to ask God for application for his church. I'm going to ask God, what do you have for us? Where do you want to take us? But it's not going to be with human wisdom. It's going to be the supernatural working of his spirit. Really, the question becomes, what are we about here at Calvary? That's the real question. It's not why we're not doing this and why we're not doing that. The real question is, what are we about here at Calvary? Let me show it to you really simple. Turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. I'll tell you exactly what we're about here. And you know, as you teach through the entirety of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, every single topic that's ever needed in our lives is mentioned. That's not to say we might not pause at a particular place in scripture and allow that place in scripture to be elaborated on in a few weeks series. Of course we will. And it's not to say that from time to time the Holy Spirit won't put the brakes on where we're at as he's done just recently. So it's just, this is what I want you to share with the congregation and we might take a few weeks to share some particular topic. But this is what we're about. This is who we are. And for some of you, it might be totally new. You're like, man, you know, when you were here for the book of Romans, it took us three years to finish Romans. And we could have gone longer. <laughs> Three years. And you just got to be patient. You got to learn how to feed on the word. Sometimes in our, in our study, you got to be ready for this. You make Calvary your home. We'll stop and we'll study a word. Just the one word, not even a verse. To see, God, what do you have for us? This is a huge word, man. This is, this is heavy. It touches every other part of the scriptures. And so, really, it becomes a question of what we're about here. John chapter 12, look at verse 21. John 12, verse 21. It says, Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, and this is what we're all about right here, this simple phrase, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And never is Jesus illuminated in the midst of a congregation than by the simple teaching of his word. And by the fellowship of the saints. And by the worship of God through song. And by the prayer among the saints. Right? Isn't that what the early church was committed to? They were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In fellowship. In the breaking of bread. And in prayer. And that is the commitment of us. That's why whatever we do, we ask. Lord, are you being glorified in this? 
Is this what you desire? We want you to come in and see Jesus. Not to see a man or a movement, but to see Jesus. Because that's the solution to your life. You're never better than when your eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus. You're never in a better condition. You're never in a better state of help or hope. You're never in a better state of the solutions to all your life's problems than when your eyes are on Jesus. And you and I are never in our worst state than when we're living in our flesh, believers, when we're taking things in our own hands, when we're trying to fix and take care of, and I'll get this, and this is how I feel, and this is what it... We're never at our worst than when we're in the flesh. But we're always at our best when our eyes are on Jesus. Even when we don't have the answer. I was just on the phone today this afternoon with a pastor friend of mine just experiencing some tremendous confusing situations in his life. And although I didn't have the answer for what was going on in his life, I knew the pathway to take him. I mean, we ended up hanging up and nothing more was solved than before he called me. But I do know by the time we hang up, both of us were seeking the Lord together. And that's where his, whatever answer comes in his life, whatever answer comes in my life, whatever answer comes in your life, it's because we've been seeking the Lord. And he's bringing clarity to the confusion, just like it's happening here in the church in Corinth. He's going to break through. Sometimes we wish he'd break through faster, but the timing of the Lord is always perfect. You realize that, right? You're praying for people right now. You just pray for clarity of the Holy Spirit, that God would bring through his Son in the power of his Spirit clarity. And so we're not trying to preach with human wisdom here. We know that the message in and of itself is offensive. And I'm kind of concerned whenever the gospel is preached and nobody's offended. It's an offensive message. To think that in order for your salvation to be secure, you have to confess your sins, repent from them, and accept the offer of salvation from Jesus Christ himself, and you can't do anything to earn it. Because, you know, if men were sitting down trying to develop a religion, as many men have... You know what their religion's filled with? Works and works and works. And just, man, beat yourself and beat yourself up. And some religions, as they go through life just beating themselves up and getting down on themselves, they still don't know if they're going to make it. That's not the God of heaven, the God of all the universe, the God of the creator who sent his son, Jesus Christ. He says that you can know that you know that you're saved. Not by your work, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we proclaim to you week after week and month after month. And some, sometimes I'll get a note every once in a while. You go, Pastor Ed, why do you preach the gospel every service? You know why? Because there are lost people among us. In this room, out over the airwaves, on the internet. And there's lost people in your family too. And don't you get encouraged when people get saved? Doesn't it just stir you up and go, you know what? I think my buddy's going to get saved. I think he can get saved. I think you're preaching the gospel. Not only does it encourage you as believers, but people get saved. And then you leave here like, man, I'm going for it. I'm going to share it one more time, one more time, one more time, until finally God breaks through. And so it will be a simple ministry here at Calvary. It will be. It always has been. It will continue to be. We'll just teach you the word, love on you, point you to the Lord preach the gospel, disciple you, and then send you out. Amen? We're not done. (laughs) Verse 20. 
So Paul calls these witnesses to the reality of the gospel. He calls the wise, which would, be cons- which would be considered the expert. He calls the scribe, which would be considered the interpreter of the day. And the disputer, which would be the equivalent of the philosophies or the philosophers of today. So he calls the wise, he calls the scribe, he calls the disputer, and he asks this question, just like he's asking us. He says, Where, he says has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews it's a stumbling block and to the Greeks it's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You know why? Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And that's his case. He answers the same questions that we just answered in a much better way. You preach the gospel because the wisdom of God is wiser than man. And the foolishness of God is stronger than men. And it's so true. The Corinthians were so prone to be puffed up with pride and and their knowledge and what they had in their possessions. But the gospel of God through his grace leaves no room for boasting. There's no way you can boast in the gospel. God is not impressed with who we are. You'll see that in just a moment. He's not impressed with our title or our bank accounts. Because he knows what you and I are still learning. That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So that whatever you have is from the Lord. Whatever position you have, it's from the Lord. Whatever the size of your bank account is, it's from the Lord. Whatever education you've been trusted, because of the Lord. Whatever you have, everything we have is from the Lord. Given to us as a gift, as a steward, to be good stewards of what he's given to us. To be found faithful. That our word is our word is our word. To be found strong in him, not in ourselves. So he says, you see your calling, verse 26. Now he says, okay, you guys are witnesses. Look at yourselves. You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So he says, if you want proof to this, just look around the room. (laughs) Look at you and look where you've come from. Look at your background. Look where you were raised. Look at your family unit growing up. Look at... Look at you. He says not many. He doesn't say not any. He says not many. For some of you, you've been incredibly blessed with upbringings and positions that many of us didn't experience. He doesn't say not any. He says not many. And it's true. There aren't too many of us that have letters before or after our names. Yeah, there are a few, doctors, dentists, lawyers, those that are professional, those that have been able, hey, that's great, there's a few, but not many. He's not saying not any. There are some wise, I mean, some of you are so incredibly smart, it's just unbelievable how you got it all, and we didn't. I don't understand that. But you are. It's great. Some of you are perfect professionals in your field of business. I mean, you would be the go-to person. You have knowledge that none of us could ever attain. Not many, but there there are some. 
And Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and to us, whether it is, notice he kind of puts them in categories, not many wise. So whether it's your smarts or not many mighty, maybe that's your position, your, you know, you're in a place of, of great position. Or you say not many noble, maybe that's your upbringing, your family, the way you were raised, you were just, you got a great upbringing, a great heritage. He says not many. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, reminding them and us that reality is, is we are who we are by the grace of God. And if there's any question that God is moving on the earth in every status of society, all it really requires is for us to look around the room. Because for many of us, we can look back and we can remember the ugly, horrible pit that our life was, that we were in. We can remember how the ugly quicksand of sin was our life. It wasn't a piece of our life. It was everything. Those of you that avoided that, you can look back to say, well, God has given me a great godly heritage which will only bring you more encouragement in the Lord because he's able to save anyone to the uttermost. Or I think it was D.L. Moody, not only can God save to the uttermost, he can also save to the guttermost. I like that. Because God is on the move in the world today, saving those that are in the high strata of society and those that we would consider in the low. There is no distinction. Humans are humans. It's we as humans that make those distinctions. That we might look down on someone that looks differently, but James deals with all that. You can read James for homework. That people are people, and Jesus died to save people. And that's what Paul is saying here to the church. You guys got all these divisions and... You're caught up in all this stuff and you want to go. But the reality is, is that God is on the move. Don't lose sight of that. God is moving. He sure is. And what a thrill to see it. This is Abounding Grace, our Tuesday edition. Pastor Ed Taylor has just finished 1 Corinthians 1. And you can hear this message again at calvaryaurora.org. Or you can listen through our apps, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryaurora.org. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace... You're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. While many believers have settled for mediocrity or are living much like the world, that doesn't have to be your life story. You can experience a close and intimate relationship with God. Allow Tozer to point the way as you read The Pursuit of God. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org. It's an exciting time as we get ready to celebrate the risen Lord here at Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed is with us now with all the details. You know, Larry, it's always exciting to worship God together, especially around the time of Easter. Uh, what we call here our resurrection services, and everything starts Friday at noon for our Good Friday service. And 
Good Friday is more of a solemn service as we look at the details surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus. We all kind of leave with a heaviness um, on our hearts and minds as we consider. That evening, we have a ticketed event as well. It's our Passover Seder dinner. Um, I'm not sure the availability of tickets, so you'll have to call the office and ask if there are any tickets left, but you're more than welcome if there are. And then our weekend services celebrating what great things God has done, or more so the great thing God has done. We have five separate services, Saturday night, 4 o'clock and 6 p.m., and then Sunday morning we'll be gathering for a modified sunrise service indoors with the heater on, 6.45, 8.45, and 10.45. And we'll make room for you. And we're looking forward to coming together. I always love teaching the gospel, uh, teaching the message and sharing the gospel as everyone's mind is on the resurrection. So come on out. We realize some of you live outside the area, but you can join us too through our website. We'll have these services streamed through our site at calvaryaurora.org. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 